1: metal, the way it was meant to be. Classic 80's underground. Live on blogtalkradio.com the Heavy Metal Mayhem Radio Show! With your host, Mike the Big G.
3: Welcome back to Heavy Metal Mayhem. We started things off tonight with a little bit of Venom and the song Pain. The song featured our first guest, Anton Lanthond drums. But Venom was a long time ago, and Def Con 1 is his bread and butter these days. So we're going to get on Anton online in a few minutes because it's getting late in the UK. And we wanna, don't want to keep him up too late, so let's reach out for him right now see if I can make this work. No luck again here. See, so I think... Uh, no luck. I think the problem is that they're not adding me as a friend on Skype. And that's creating a problem. So what I'm going to do is uh, reach out to him and uh, get him to add me. That way we get this interview going here. So uh, while we wait, let me get on some Sabbath. This is a Japanese band. It has a song called Death Zone. That was Savage. Let me get Anton on the line. I think we got this connection going here. I tell you, there's got to be an easy way of doing this, but let's see what we have here. Call phone, ba ba ba. Let's do this. Let's go to uh, Ed. Anton, you on the line? Can you hear me?
4: Right. Is that it? Are,
3: are I tell you, I can't take this technology anymore.
4: <laughs> fucking <laughs> oh, hell. Oh, my pain, God. It totally worked.
3: You know what it is? If, if, I, if you call me, it's like we're having a private conversation. I can't confirm she went to the station. Right. So I have to call you, but it's like if you don't add somebody, if this is invisible, it's crazy. I, I I'm i glad I got you on the line now.
4: Yep, it's working now.
3: All right, perfect. <laughs> hey, listen, I'm glad to have you on here big DEF CON 1 fan. Go back with you many years from all the bands you've been in. And, I, I, you know, one thing i got to say about DEF CON 1 is I think you guys are one of the few bands that have given everybody a little bit of everything in a, in a new way. And it's just different than everything else out there.
4: Well, thank you very much. That's what we aim to do.
3: Yeah, I, I, I think you've done it. Uh, and it's not an easy thing to do today because there's so much out there. What do you guys do to make yourself stand out, you know, from the rest of
4: the pack? Yeah, we we try not to take any influences from other bands we just we always write as a band uh so we all just go in and jam out whatever whatever comes out comes out you know there's no formula where we sit and say it has to be like this or anything it's just a collaboration of all of our influences basically
3: and it shows it and one of the things i always get with when i'm listening to defcon one is that you guys sound like a band i don't know if that makes any sense you guys sound like you belong together you know, and with a lot of bands, it seems like there's one guy who's, like, the main focus of the group, where Def Con 1, it just seems like there are, you know, four guys that banded together to create this outfit.
4: Yeah, definitely. It, it's, t- it's took quite a while, you know. We've been going, oh, shit, about 15 years. That's when me and Johnny started the band, um, and it was just basically getting people in that didn't fit and wanted to go in different directions or whatever. Um, but now we've definitely got the four that's staying, you know, Um I worked with Davey a while back in another band called the New Future Cowboys. Um, and when that stopped working, I said to him, I says, look it, give this a listen. And I gave him some tracks. And soon as he came in and sang on the tracks, we all just looked at each other and went, that's it. It's right. Yeah. It's, you, you can just tell, you know. You know.
3: were you and Johnny Bickle Sanity's edge years ago also? And it was Defcon 1 kind of like
4: the next level for that? Well, well, Saturday's edge, to, to be quite honest with you, was more, I don't know, like, like, Megadeth Meat Sign Maiden type of music, you know, and I'm uh, to be quite honest with you. I'm, I'm a fan of neither <laughs> <laughs> um, And I wanted to go more down the the route of bands like Pantera and fight and stuff like that so I came into rehearsals because I can play guitar as well and I, I Straight away dropped the eight string down, you know, and I start playing these big riffs with one finger and all that and uh, Every everyone kind of had a different feeling about it, except for Johnny. Johnny just went, "That's fucking awesome," you know. Yeah. And it was like, "Yep, this is this is the way forward," you know. Um, and w- w- when we left Sandy's Edge, we had the um, the bass player and the guitar player from Sandy's Edge kind of came with us, but they, they didn't really want to get heavy, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, the 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 bass player at the time, Craig, did a bit um and we ended up doing like i don't know i think we sounded more like corrosion of conformity you know where the 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 version when pepper's in the band we we kind of sounded a bit like that i mean johnny was still looking at each other going this isn't what we want to do it needs to be heavier um and when steve came into the band he was a, he's a big he loves punk and bands like biohazard and stuff like that you know so he brought a a, a different feel into the band straight away which sounded great. And he loves bands like Pantera and that, you know. Um, and, but is uh, a bit like me. He listens to anything, you know. I've, I've always said there's only two types of music, good and bad, you know. <laughs> um, and he, he, he comes into it with, he, he loves bands like um, Alice in Chains, for instance. But he loves things like Susie and the Banshees and Adam, Adam Nance and stuff and all that, you know. And it, it, you don't have to just listen to metal. You know, right. there's all sorts. And, and when you think about it, where did metal come from? It, it, it had to start somewhere. So so they were listening to something else, you know, um, like in the 80s with the new wave of British heavy metal. Yeah. What were they listening to? Black Sabbath and Motorhead and Judas Priest, really, weren't they, you know?
3: Exactly. You think that's the hardest part is trying to be original or... Trying, like you said, everybody's influenced by what came before them. It's what you take from that and make, you know, take your own and put it together to create, you know, a new sound. And you guys have definitely done that. I mean, you know, I can hear the punk, I can hear the old classic rock and metal, I can hear the modern stuff. Everything is mixed into your music, and not just like where it's like one song sounds different than the next. Sometimes you go from one
4: extreme to the other in, within the same song, and that's right. you know that's pretty cool. Yeah. Well, if, when we're rehearsing the tracks, if they don't make us move. If they don't feel right to us, well then it's not going to feel right to a kid, you know. Um, so, and and I hate it when you put a CD on and you just think, well, that that was the same song ten times, basically, you know, same formula, same fucking. For, it's just boring. And I I think it's a shame because I think there's a lot of metal bands gone like that, you know. When you buy a magazine that has like a free cover mount CD on, and you, and you put the CD in a lot of the time, until the singer starts singing, you don't know who it is. Because they've all used the same drum sound and the same guitar sound and the same this. And, and you kind of thinking, well, who is it this week? you know? And, and then the singer comes in, and a lot of the times with the new, like the, I think they were calling it Malco. Yeah. <laughs> band, even the singer sounded fucking same, you know, and you're a bit yeah. like, eh, where I was brought up on music, um, where I was listening to ACDC and Kiss and Van Halen and, and bands like that, where you knew who it was straight away by the guitar sound the drum sound the production everyone had their own individual sound and for you to say that we we've got our own individual sound is a massive compliment to her because it's hard these days to do that you know
3: yeah it really is and but you've accomplished that which is a good thing and I mean, you've seen the music. I mean, you've been in this business a long time. You've been a part of the scene since the beginning. I mean, you've seen the roller coaster ride that we go through. You know, metal was at its peak in the '80s. Then it died down. Then grunge. Then new metal. Then rap rock, and you know, it always changes and evolves as time goes by. New people come into the scene, and you know, you, they're always like, "Well, you know how come metal's dead? How come metal's dead?" But do you think that the bands have as much to do with that as like you know, the changing scene that maybe they've become too stagnant at some point, where they just say, "You know, this worked on the list, right and we're going to keep doing." I love you made it, but Every record is, you know, the same kind of Iron record. That's great when you're a fan, but, you know, when it comes to the whole scene in general with the hundreds of bands all doing that, do you yeah. think it kind of implodes upon itself or, you know, we kind of kill it ourselves?
4: I, I'm not sure. I, I think some bands it works really well. You know, I remember uh, reading somewhere where Kerry King turned around and said, if it's not broke, don't fix it. Uh, so you kind of, you know what to expect with Slayer. So when the next Slayer album comes out, you know what you want. If they changed it, you'd probably go, "Ooh, what the fucking is Slayer done? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So, so some bands like, like, like that, like Motorhead, like ACDC, I think there's a formula there where they have to kind of repeat it it's a bit. Like, I suppose Iron Maiden as well. You know, they've got that twin harmony guitar and the bass doing the ding 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 type of thing. It, 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 it's their stamp. They've got it, and they've put a big stamp on it, and it's, and kind of stand there saying, "This is ours." Get your fucking hands off, you know. Um, so, th- I think the, I think bands like that kind of have to sound like that, if you know what I mean. Sure. But uh, um, I, I, I think the biggest problem with when, when people keep saying metal's dead and stuff like that, I think the record companies are becoming a lot like the pop industry, and there's pigeonholes to put people in. And they're looking for the next such and such or the next such and such. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And they're not looking for new. um It's a bit like, um, I don't like Bob Dylan. He didn't sound like anybody. He sounded like fucking Bob Dylan. So did Jimi Hendrix. So did Led Zeppelin. They they just came out of the box. They weren't trying to conform. They weren't trying to sound like somebody else. They just came out and did their thing. And there's too many bands. Where they say we want the new one of these and they just mold them into that shape do you know, yeah. um, and that's just a massive shame. It's a shame because I'm not in this country I know because we we've been gigging up and down the country and we've played with a lot of other bands There's some serious bands in this country that are just not getting a look in and it's a it's a shame You know in the 80s there was record companies trying to, like Megaforce in America, you know, trying to put the new thing out, you know, like Metallica and putting the Slayer stuff out and stuff like that. And that's what we need. We need people putting bands that sound different and, and trying to nurture them.
3: Uh, I couldn't agree anymore. It's, a, it's exactly like you said, the bigger record labels, you know, they're like it's like a cookie-cutter formula. If this works it today, is. we're going to keep putting it out. But most of those bands have a short lifespan. They're like flies, you know, they'll go for a year or two. But they've always got somebody coming up the pipeline behind it. But like I keep saying, you know, ACDC, like you were saying, Iron Maiden, you know, Black Sabbath. You know, when all these bands pack it in, Judas Priest, you know, we're too old for this now. We're not going to do it anymore. Where are the next big bands coming from in metal that are going to like, you know, headline those arenas? And It's like in uh, in sports. you got to have like that farm team where you build them up from the ground up and get them ready for the big time. And it's not happening here. And it's just going to, I think it's just going to die out if people don't start giving the bands a chance and getting their music out there.
4: Yeah, I've been saying that for years. You know, yeah. Yeah. in this co- in this country, it seems that the 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 tribute band seems to be the the new in thing, um, and people go to these gigs and they watch someone pretend to be ACDC dc or they pretend to be Iron Maiden or something, and I fucking can't stand it. Basically, because I, I I've been to a few of them and I just think, well, why well, if you saw that. Talented, musician-wise, why don't you fucking write some songs? Yeah. You know? well, why don't you fucking try and do something original, you know? So what, you're making a little bit of money, you know? Is that what you're in this for? Or are you in this to, like, try and be creative, try and be an artist, try and write something new, you know? Um, and it just, I, I hate the, the, just the tribute thing. It's like, well, well, fair enough. I can, kind, I can kind of understand it if the artist's dead. You know, Jimi Hendrix tribute, fair enough. An ACDC dc tribute where it's just Bon Scott or something, fair enough. But who wants to go and see an Iron Maiden tribute where it's they're, they're doing what Iron Maiden are doing? You, you want to go and see Iron Maiden, don't you?
3: I, I, <laughs> I say the same thing all the time. Get, oh, uh, there's a Motorhead cover band playing. Let's go. See, Motorhead's going to be here next week. Let's <laughs> just see and go see Motorhead. Go see what do. It.
4: Exactly. It's,
3: it's crazy. I mean, I, I understand when you go to a pub or a bar and there's a band playing, and you're there, you're hanging out, in the wrong, but. I wouldn't go out of my way to see, you know, a cover band. Not, like I said, especially when the real band's coming through town not, you know, not long after that. We'll yeah. see the real thing and support it. It's, it's incredible. But, you know, I mean, you've got to make do with what we have today in this business. But the good thing is that you guys are active. You're playing. And now Brute Force and Ignorance, it's, it's strictly on vinyl and green vinyl on top of that. You kind of went old school with this one.
4: Yeah. Um, basically, when we, we put Warface out... And uh, there's another company uh, through Scarlet Records, which is an Italian company, and there's another Italian company called Night of the Vinyl Dead. They decided to put Warface out on vinyl. And they printed up 250 copies. And some people might say, well, that's not very many. It sold out in five days, though. Wow. And and for a little band, you know, um, five days, we were over the moon. So while we were working on the follow-up to Warface, I, I thought, well I know, why don't we contact Nate the Vinyl Dead, see if they want to put an EP out. The hardcore fans will go out and buy it. Yep. Um, and we can still concentrate on working on the album and stuff. So I, I spoke to them about it. They flew over to England to come and see where do a couple of shows. We did a, a couple of shows, there's a um, company uh, that's set up where the singer out of the band had uh, had, had testicular cancer. And fortunately, got over it. So they did a tour trying to raise money for the Cancer Trust. Um, and on the tour, they got um, Eccentrics and they got Hatebreed, and we got to play on both of those gigs. And they were absolutely outstanding gigs. But the the vinyl company came over to see us, and we spoke about it. And it's only going to be 12-inch um, green vinyl. All four songs are on one side, and on the other side, they've engraved war. Signatures into the plastic. Oh, nice. So so it's going to it's like like years ago when you used to collect rare things, you know Yeah, and the, it, it, it the gatefold falls out about four times and it's full of live pictures and everything It's just a proper collector's item, you know
3: uh, I th- I think it's great. I mean, you know, CDs are a hard sell today. Music is a hard sell today in general because yeah. you know the downloads and all that crap, which is horrible to begin with. But like myself, somebody who grew up in the 70s, you know, with vinyl, and I buy it in a heartbeat. Don- I'll buy the CD, I'll buy the digital, and I'll buy. The- I love having the vinyl again, and it, you know, it's not going to come back like it used to be. But I think it's a great way for bands to start selling again and making some money because you know people like myself want to think twice about buying it. I yeah. think it's a great way to start, you know, reinvigorating the scene again.
4: And the thing is, when, when you were, as you remember when you were a kid and you went down to the shop or the store and you opened up the vinyl and just the smell of the cover <laughs> and the fucking, there was always like an inside sleeve or something, especially if you got a kiss record, there was probably a fucking mask or a snapper gun or stickers or something. And it was just so, like, you, you remember it for the rest of your life. You, know, you remember which shop you went into. You remember exactly when you bought it. Can you remember when, the last time you bought a CD? It's just it's gone that whole thing about it is gone. It's just a fucking CD in it, you know? I and know. everything's tiny, you know? Kiss Alive 2 on CD doesn't look half as cool <laughs> as Kiss Alive 2 on vinyl when you open the gatefold up and everything. That, that's
3: so true it, it was an experience i always say that you went to your your local record store all the albums were up on the wall and in bins and in racks and you used to look for the coolest cover and yep. you didn't even know who half the bands were back then because you know there was no radio like promoting it there were no magazines so you just kind of went in there said, this cover looks you know i'm gonna get this album by the cover and yeah, you know it was potluck when you got home i remember buying the uriah Heep record one time abominog and i'm like this is gonna be fantastic you know <laughs> it wasn't yep. what i thought it was gonna be you know but the cover was so cool, and that's how we bought records back then.
4: Oh, definitely, definitely.
3: And it was a great time. But you know, I'm, I'm glad you got. I mean, you know, I know you play a lot over in the UK. You're all over the place. How do you branch out from there now? Is it? I know it's real difficult to get on tours, you know, to try, especially come over here to the US and go across the seas. I mean, but is it? Can you branch out at least around Europe to get out to different countries over there?
4: Well, that's what that's what my aim is. Uh, that one of the hardest things getting is getting hold of an agent that's wanting to work you and actually put some effort into you. The it's like new up and coming bands are, are struggling because they the agents are still looking after the bands they've already got. But like you say, they're not gonna be here tomorrow, you know. They're, they're gonna retire at some point. Um, you know, it's like I remember when I was in um Venom, you know, we we, we helped some bands out by bring taking them out on the road. I remember um even before I was in the band, years ago, they took out fucking some of the bands that have became the biggest fucking metal bands out there, you know? Yeah. Um, and for me, it, you, you kind of think, well, does anyone return favours in this business or not? <laughs> you it know? Like they so don't, yeah. Original music, it, it's really hard, you know? Like, I, I, I wouldn't say... Um, I reckon if I, if, we, if we were to turn around and say, right, let's, let's chuck fucking five or six Venom songs into the set. We probably get a load of gigs, but yeah. that's just copping out. That's just wimping out. It's not we, you're not striving to do your own, your own original thing. You know, it's like when you when you go to see the Foo Fighters, they don't play um, Nirvana songs live, do they? You know, or if you go and see Stone Sour, he doesn't play sli- Slipknot songs. So that's that's where we're at. But it's frustrating as well because people are going, well, will people come and see you? And you're talking to these agents, going, well, yes. And if you push it and you. Get through to some more radio stations like yourself. You're, you're doing us a massive favour playing way in New York and stuff, you know, because you never know, there might be some local promoter in New York wants to get over there. And what, what, once we're over there, we can contact other people and we can start playing gigs over there, because I'd love to come back. I played in New York in 2006 and it was definitely one of the best crowds I've played to, you know. Um, that's fucking nuts. They're just cool, they love that music, they love that metal.
3: <laughs> yeah, I, I I'm hoping that it does happen. You, know, you were talking about like playing the Venom songs and everything. That's sort of kind of what happened with Empire Viva. I guess you were going into that thinking that you know we'll do this a little bit, but we're going to turn it to an all-original band and play more. And I guess when they started focusing more on the the Venom period, I guess you know it didn't sit well with you?
4: Nah, it, I, I I thought it was going to be more like original. You know, I thought it was going to be the high and the the odd song in. I didn't realize it was going to be. Fucking ninety-nine percent Venom songs. Say so if that was the case, I would have stayed in fucking Venom. You know, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I I wanted to do my own thing. I wanted I wanted to write original music and get out there and stuff. And in all honesty, it came down to it where the I had literally I was sitting there with two record deals and Defcon One's me baby, and in me heart, it's the best band I've ever been in. Um, and I I, I had to do it. You know, um, so I. There's nothing would ever take take us away from this unless the whole thing just fell to bits, you know.
3: Sure. Is it hard to focus on a multiple bands because you had Def One uh, Defcon One going at the same time as Empire of Evil, and you know, I mean, I know you're professional, you can work it out, but is it hard to kind of say, you know, I have this idea, you know, and I want to use in this band and not that band, or I'd rather do this with the other band. Is it difficult trying to like split your time between two bands that are going to go full bore?
4: Uh, not really, because defcon each every single member of the band as far as i'm concerned is equal there's no i don't walk in there saying i used to be in venom and i have headline fucking god's of metal festival i just i'm just a, one of the lads we're all exactly the same and we go in there and we just write songs uh where it's not like that in other bands if you know what i mean yeah <laughs> yeah there's, I know. there's Superstars, and I fucking can't be dealing with that. I've met, I've met some of the biggest rock stars on the planet who are the nicest people you will ever meet. Fortunately, when I was a kid, um, when Brian Johnson got the job in ACDC, he literally lived around the corner from me, uh, and I used to go to his house on a regular basis, and he used to sign me record sleeves and everything, and he is one of the nicest people you'll ever meet in this industry. He's still so down to earth.
3: And that well, that's important, you know, because you know it shows people that you haven't strayed too far away from the path where you were. You're still like that guy from back in the neighborhood and back in town, yep. uh, and that's the way it should be. I think. Do you think today it's more, you know, because you have all the social media today, like from MySpace to Facebook, that that the bands like even yourself are more approachable than back in the old days, where you know it was kind of like you know you had that kind of elite status back in the day.
4: Uh, I, I'm not, I'm not sure because um, obviously you can. You can get in contact with people easy and stuff like that but um i I, I, when i was a kid i was a fan of bands i used to always go and hang out outside and try and get stuff signed and stuff like that and i've met quite a few bands that um they're just like me and you they're just people you know obviously there's the odd fucking rock star that you just think well why are you treating me like this i'm i'm the kid that bought your record if it wasn't for me, you wouldn't fucking be up there playing, you know. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and that's some some of them really need a wake up call, you know. Um, and it's a it's it's an absolute shame when you meet dickheads. It is, it is.
3: It's rough, and you know, you were talking before about like you know, Vance uh, paying back the favors and stuff that you, when you, they took you out on a tour, you went on a tour with them. Yeah. And, and I see that so often that I mean, you remember back like in the 80s, like when Ozzy would go out on a tour when he was solo, when the Blizzard of first got started, he used to take up some of the bands that you know were about to break. I mean, he took Motley Crue and gave them a shot, and they turned yeah. out to be trem- Metallica. That doesn't happen anymore. Like it bothered me that like when Black Sabbath went on this reunion tour, which was probably the biggest tour, you know, in God knows how many years. They had a guy playing a DJ set opening up for them, and I was like, why didn't they? Why wouldn't? Why didn't they give like a couple of bands a shot in each town where they went around to play? You know, the audience that they could have you know brought to that band, and, and, and that always bothered me. This whole tour bothered that they did
4: that. That didn't yeah. give bands a shot to open up
3: for them, like local bands from the area.
4: Can you can you imagine, right? If you're some local band and you get this call, oh, Black Sabbath I want you to open up for them. Fucking hell! Man, that would just be a dream come true. Yeah. You know? And and they could make new fans because there's going to be Black Sabbath kids standing there thinking, actually, I like this." And go and buy the CD or the T-shirt or something. They could have done if if they'd put on a different band from every city. That would have just been incredible. That would have been a brilliant idea.
3: Yeah, I, you know? I, I wish they would have done that. I mean, you know, these bands have to like pay it forward. They got to start doing that. I mean, there are a lot of big bands out there. Give the local bands that, like, on the you know, have records that are on the cusp of like doing something good. Give them that, you know, because I can tell you a, a dozen bands I bought records by in a record store that I never heard of before that I loved them. Another dozen I didn't care for. But when I go to see bands live and that band hits the stage and you for the first time, like I never heard of these guys. They, they just win you over. You, like you, they got a new fan. Somebody's gonna buy the next record. Buy a t-shirt. It's so important that bands like start supporting each other again. I I see that missing today.
4: Yeah, yeah. I, I think it's all about the it's all about the dollar, isn't
3: it? Yeah, <laughs> it always is, especially with the record labels.
4: Yeah. Which band's got the most? Well, if you pay us this, we'll let you support. Work. You know. Uh... <laughs> I know it's crazy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You
3: know, so we're talking about Warface, but
4: was there a record called
3: Blood Soaks the Floor? Because I keep hearing about it, but yet I don't remember it. I don't know why.
4: Eh. Uh, it was basically. That was just demos. We put it we put like a a shitload of demos together on a on a disc and we called it Blood Soaks the Floor. So it was kinda like a mini album, but we it was you could only get it from us. It wasn't in any shops or on iTunes or anything like that. Uh, and it actually had a different singer on it. Um so as soon as Davey joined the band and we were working on the songs, Blood Soaks the Floor just got shelved. I think we I think we might have a couple of line round at rehearsals, but that's about it. It's like it, it it was
3: just demos, you know. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. Grant was singing in, in the very beginning before uh, David came into the band, and uh, yeah, I I mean, you know, when you found him, it was like it seemed like a whole new band to me, and it you just kind of took a life of its own after that. So, I'm glad that the four of you guys are together. You're still together since that first record, and and you're keeping it going today. You know, Anthony, I'm gonna have to let you go because it's getting late, and I want to get on some music for everybody. And I'm cool. sorry that it took me so long to connect with you in the beginning. I just, <laughs> I need, uh, I need to get uh, someone here that knows a little bit of technology. I can't figure this stuff out anymore.
4: Um, I'm exactly the same. I was fucking <laughs> pressing every single button thinking, what's happening? <laughs> I know. I,
3: I can't figure it out. But I'm glad I did connect with you. And you know what? What face to say lot people should bite the new Vana, They better grab that up fast because, you know, five days, <laughs> it might be gone.
4: It might be, yep. So. I hope I get a copy. <laughs>
3: <laughs> so people should get on there, but I'm going to play something off that EP for everybody.
4: Thanks very much, mate. It's been yeah. a pleasure. Yeah.
3: You too, Anton. Take care, buddy. Thank you very yeah. much.
4: Right, Cheers, man. Bye-bye.
3: Mr. Anton Lynn, everybody knows him from Venom, Empire Evil, and they should know him from DEFCON 1, and I'm glad I was able to connect with him. I'm so, I, I have so much trouble with the Skype at the beginning of the show, but let's get on some DEFCON 1 right now. Is Weapons of War. Yeah! That's a nice, big, meaty six-minute tune. That's what I like in my music over there. Uh, well, we, ha- we started out another crappy show in the beginning, trying to do the Skype connection. But I promise you, this is the last interview I'm going to set up live right at the very beginning of the show. That way I have more time to work out the kinks. Because, you know, it's getting late in the UK and over in, in, in Europe, too. so I try to get them on early. That way it's not like you know, 2 o'clock in the morning for these interviews. But uh, sometimes, you know, the connection works nice and easy. Sometimes it doesn't. It just seems we're two for two this month, or three for three, but we will get the guest on a little later in the show there. So, what's happening, my friend? How are you? You still talking to me? Yeah, talking. my talking, you Yeah.
5: <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, things are going okay. <laughs> uh, awaiting the new ahead. I mean, it's the only. Yeah.
3: Thing. Um,
5: I love, I love that all the like I've been talking to friends at work, and you know, I meet different people, and like a lot of the workers, some of them were into metal, you know, in the day, and we talk about the old bands, and a lot of them don't know, and even listen. Some of them listen to Sirius That just goes to show you, the, you know, we would just—I don't know—you, you, you, you uh, spoke a lot about one of the posts I put on on Facebook that they yeah. just don't have—they just don't have any touch with the, with the people who are listening. Sure. You know? I mean, you're playing Hendrix, you're playing Zeppelin on a metal station. Yes. Okay. It's, of course, their are roots. Every now and then you got to throw in one of those tunes as a root to tell the younger kids, or, you know, but let's put it this way. Younger kids ain't listening to this station. Nope. They're listening to the other station, Liquid Metal. And that's the shit that they want to fucking hear. And once in a while they'll throw in the root stuff, which is Iron Maiden, Motorhead, you know, and that makes a whole lot of sense. But our, we don't need the roots. We know the roots. We grew up on the roots. Just give us what we want.
3: You that know, should be played on a classic babies. rock station, not a metal that. station. And there's
5: five of them. There's I know. There's like four or five different classic metal rock stations.
3: I know. I, ever since they stations. changed it. But ever since they changed it to Ozzy's Boneyard. It, I mean, you know,
5: you yeah, get a little bit of... enough. You know, enough for nothing. I said it. That that was my post. I don't want to say this, but I'm sick of hearing Sabbath and Ozzy. Yeah. Because it's the same 20 to 25 different songs. You know, uh, it's not anything outside the box, you know. Like, I hear that. I think I heard you looking at me, looking at you. I couldn't fucking believe it. I was like amazed that they actually played that fucking song, you know. But you know, once in a while, you know, I, you hear something different. I'm a I'm a I'm a lifetime member, so in order to keep it in the car, it's for free. Yeah. For me to listen to on the uh, on the on my phone or in the internet, I gotta pay three dollars a month. So they had the renewal came in, and I said, look, I said I don't think it's worth. $38 for the year, because whatever comes out.
3: Cause listen, sure. I, I don't think anybody wants to hear about that either.
5: <laughs> You're going well, on about... I know, we were going you like you like said what things are, things are going on. But like I was saying, but a lot of old uh, older people who listen to The Rock we listen to don't know that Accept is still out there. Well, then huh. Come Back.
3: Let's put that way. Oh.
5: Udo, I should say. Udo is still out there. Accept is coming Back. <laughs> Udo.
3: Yeah, I know. Except, you should, I, mean, I can speak Udo. <laughs>
5: Uh, except has come back. Um, there's plenty of bands that is, that have been constantly out there. Obviously, Saxon, obviously Iron Maiden, and and number one is Motorhead. One guy couldn't believe that Motorhead still around. I said, "You're an idiot." I said, "You're an asshole. Where have you you've been? You ride a motorcycle. You don't ride with other motorcycle guys that are into metal. They don't know about Motorhead." He goes, "Quite honestly, no." I said, "Well, something's wrong. Something's wrong. Long Island is not playing metal." And obviously New York is, and and, and, and Jersey is Jersey, Jersey Bell isn't either. But online radio is—that's what I was going at. Online radio will give you what you want.
3: That's right, and, and now that's going to hurt.
5: going to hurt serious because there's the the uh, the Pandoras and all those other types, Apple Radio and all those freaking slacker and all that. You put in the, the title Motorhead and they're going to play anything that's related to Motorhead Girls' School, Saxon. Iron Maiden, Ozzy, Deal. And, and that's what we want to hear.
1: So we that's have right.
5: to we you know, but there's you know, there's so much more out there and you got that little niche and I love it, you know, even though I'm not always here and I'm not always listening live, I'm gonna listen to you because it's the best fucking radio on, on the internet. Well Here's I, the I world. appreciate
3: that. Well, I don't All know about right? the world. I am just trying to now run on Great Kill Staten Island, and then I'll take it from there. After that, we'll work on Bensonhurst, and then we'll try to bring maybe Marine Park. We'll take it over one neighborhood at a time.
5: Yeah, well, we've got a lot of Russians in in, in, in our neighborhood, right. too, so they're into heavy metal.
3: All right, let me get on a tune because Mr. Ken Pierce from com is waiting in the wings patiently
5: oh.
1: for his
3: uh, weekly update. And kenny has been a right. busy boy this weekend with the Comic-Con convention. So uh, I, I was playing artillery before. Anton called and I had to cut it off because I finally got him connected. So uh-huh. let me go back to that artillery song. Here's Thrasher. <laughs> Got our groove going now. Backed by popular demand, the mayor of Metalville, Mr. Kent Pierce. How are you, Kenny?
0: Whoa, what's going on there, Mike? Uh, I'm surprised I can't even speak right now. I've been uh, at that crazy Comic Con for three days, and uh, then I had that good idea to go to a metal show last
2: night. And
0: I'm a little tired. So,
3: You'll be, huh? Sound
0: as, I sound as excited as T does on the show now.
3: Ah, what? full of, full of life over there.
0: <laughs> so yeah, it, it was a busy weekend. What now? You, what were you asking me about? You sent me a message. What did you want to know? You said something about. I,
3: I heard you said something about Kiss uh, Kiss Nation in Times Square, and I didn't, oh, didn't hear that. A, a, a trip. Oh, okay. Kenny, I have to tell you this, but you're you're completely yeah, breaking up. Yeah, Ken, there's something wrong with your phone. You're coming in completely choppy. Nobody can even hear you. So yeah, 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 you, you, nobody can even hear you.
5: Try it back, call
3: back. Yeah, you want to call back in? Okay. Yeah. okay. Do I sound better now? Uh, no, not really. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, We'll wait for Mr. Kemp Pierce to call back in. Uh, it looks like his phone is dying on him over there. So I'll have to wait for that. But yeah, yeah he, said he, the, the... he said it was at he said it was at Kiss Nation last night. I thought maybe Kiss opened up something new in Manhattan, you know, but uh, it was a tribute band, I guess, or yeah, a one of
5: those, band. Just, he had it on uh, he had a picture of it on on the Facebook and
3: uh Oh uh, okay.
5: it wasn't really Kiss. you know, you can tell by the face. Yeah, yeah,
3: yeah, yeah. I just don't know like what what you was. can
5: tell that uh, Tommy, whatever his last name is, is not ace. No matter what you do, I mean, come on.
3: I know. Oh, hang on. We got Kenny back on the line. I'll see if this is better. Mr. Metal, Ken Pierce.
0: Can you hear me now? Yes.
3: Oh, that is beautiful. It's like the sweet sounds of, uh, I want to say stylist, but that would be offensive, but it sounds perfect.
0: Oh, terrible, terrible. No, so it was a busy weekend, and um, yeah, that's a, that was a tribute band that plays uh, Kiss covers. They dress up in the makeup and everything. They're pretty good. Okay. I like them a lot, so yeah just laying out a little support so let me get right down to business cuz i know you got a busy show and uh, and everything else and uh, and right now as we speak get, getting ready to begin is uh sabbath over at the studio at webster hall they are making a long overdue appearance here and they are bringing along antichrist so he is indeed real and in a band hmm. so uh, also nature and villains will be supporting that particular show down at the studio at webster hall Oh, uh, we got to postpone show because the Hawkwind tour has been canceled. The entire U.S. tour for Hawkwind over at uh, – and our show was going to be at the Gramercy Theater. And, uh, and they've canceled the artist illness. Apparently uh, – I, I don't know any guys in, in Hawkwind. I'm sorry. But there's the, the main guy who is, I guess, the original member of Hawkwind. He's, he's been very stressed because uh, – His other band members has like Joe's Hawkwind also and tours with 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 that band. So apparently they're playing uh, Saint Vitus. I just haven't really dug up much information. So I think it was around the time his regular Hawkwind was touring, and this guy was tailing his tour, and I guess it was freaking them out. But uh, he he's not well now. So that I don't know. So now there's also two Hawkwinds. Whoever who, did you ever think you'd hear that? I hear about the One Hawk one. Right. <clears throat> okay. So Monday on the 11th he got 9-inch nails over at Berkeley Center with Godspeed you black emperor. That's going to be an interesting show for those fans of that kind of stuff. I'd like to see Nine Inch Nails once in concert. I hear it's really fucking cool. So I can go check that out one day. The great and all powerful UFO is over at stage forty eight and you don't need Mr. Eddie Trunk to tell you that this is a band you need to see. You can just have us tell you, right? Mike say you need That's to, see right. I'm, I'm dying to
3: see UFO. I'm I'm dynasty UFO.
0: And and Tommy, tell, tell people you need to see UFO.
3: Have to see UFO. You have see, me.
0: if you can get us three jabronis to tell you you can go see UFO, you should take that to heart and trust it. So also the CMJ Music Marathon begins in New York City on the 15th. There's a whole lot of stuff, um, and, and there's some metal events too. You just got to look and see who might be having a showcase. I know that there's a few websites having... Uh, showcases. I wish I had the uh, ability to throw a showcase together. That would be nice. Mike, maybe next year we'll throw a, a heavy metal mayhem, piercing metal, CMJ showcase together. What do you think? We'll throw that down there.
3: We we could try that. CMJ kind of banned me, I guess. They don't want nothing to do with me, but I, we'll try to get one going. We can
0: going. we can we can say it's a CMG showcase then. We can That's say right. CMG. We'll make it. We'll change one letter.
3: <laughs> CMJ,
0: or something like that. There you go. The amazing Max Cavalera of blah, of uh, Soulfly is bringing Soulfly to BB King Blues Club on a Wednesday, the 16th. And that same night, the Metal Insider CMJ Showcase is going to be at the Europa Club and bringing in a few bands uh, such as Byzantine, Black Anvil, Ramming Speed, and Vacnet Viscar to the public attention. I think it's only like ten bucks to go to that, so that's pretty cool. Between the buried and me we'll be playing with the Faceless over at Best Buy Theater. And that is it for Wednesday. Seventeenth is a Thursday, and that means Pelican is over at St. Vitus Bar while Otep is over at the Marlin Room at Webster Hall, where Mike and I will be indulging in fine cold beer at a showcase uh, meeting of our own with some friends and the scene. And oh, we, yeah. will be, we will be rocking out with that. And uh, it'll be good to break bread with the big cheese, ladies and gentlemen. Aren't you jealous that I get to go hang out with the <laughs> cheese?
2: Isn't
0: that great? I will be cutting it with the cheese on Thursday. That will be fantastic. Friday is another appearance of Pelican over at St. <laughs> I know you're laughing at that name. At St. Vitus Bar. And I'm making sure I'm putting a lot of these St. Vitus bars cuz you said everybody was going was yelling at me last week. It's not my fault. Let me tell you how difficult the St. Vitus Bar uh calendar is to follow. It is like a mishmash of everything. You know, it's just crazy. I know it is. It is hard. And, and when they don't uh, – that's what she said. And when they don't send me mailers about what's coming up, I can't always remember to follow them. You know, all of these events, you know, you if you can – you could say that I'm playing favorites, fine, good. I will play favorites for Live Nation and BB Kings. Let me look super important, right? Uh, and let's fool everybody. But – uh I'm on mailing lists for these venues, so I get a regular – this week was booked, this week was booked, that week and that's how you keep up on all of these damn things, and I put them together for you. So those of you that were upset with me, I'm sorry to have offended you, but listen, get on the Facebook email and send me a damn note if I'm missing something. I'll fix it. I promise. Um, Friday, you also got the mighty Glenn Danzig. He will be doing his – Roadshow with the help of the Butcher Babies, Doyle, Wolfgang, Von Frankenstein, and I, and more. There's more bands playing with that, and he'll be Ooh. over at the Roseland. Hey, you know, in thinking of, uh, thinking of uh, of Danzig makes me think of Misfits, and you know who was at the Comic Con uh, all weekend except today because he had something to take care of. Mr. Jerry Only was there. Had a booth. Oh, okay. Had a booth. He had merchandise for Misfits, and he had some posters. And you know, all the celebrities are signing shit in his twenty, thirty, fifty dollars. You know, to get a photo, and then uh, twenty dollars to take it with your camera, and and all this other crap. And Jerry only was signing photographs of Misfits, posters, uh, CDs. If you brought them or any legacy stuff, took a picture with him, took a picture of him, and guess how much he wanted for that, Mike? Two
3: dollars and forty-seven cents.
0: Zero What's bucks.
3: That? Zero a classy man. guy now.
0: Classy guy. Zero bucks, and he stayed there until the very end of Comic-Con to say hello to every single fan that wanted to come by and say hello to him. Um, another cancellation is the guys in Godflesh were not able to get their visas in order. And somebody actually commented to me in a Facebook posting, they, they, they shall remain nameless. Uh, but uh, they had said they were wondering if uh, – this government shutdown was kind of compromising bands that needed to secure touring visas, and that's an interesting way to look at it because it's it's right. Yeah, Did yeah. you think that that could that could be it the case? It to affect right? it
3: because yeah. uh, the, the yeah. State Department would be shut down. It should be at least. Uh, who right, knows, so who knows? Right. So then
0: they're not able they're not able to check you in, right, or get the yeah. form. here. So yeah. So, yeah. so they yeah.
3: got to go to Mexico with the Mexicans. They have no trouble getting
0: in here, no matter what's open or closed. Sure. <sighs> He tries. He does try. So anyway, let me let you get back to the program. I And <laughs> always, my dear friends, you can find Piercing Metal over on Facebook, over on Twitter, and on Instagram. And I would love to have you along with me for everything. And, Mike, I tell you, you know how much I love talking to you, know, but I'm so tired. There's one thing I've been loving to do all weekend, and that that's
3: Well, I. <laughs> <Thank> you. <laughs> I guess out. that's what he wanted to do—hang up on us. <laughs> on he had a bad connection. I think his phone was going dead. You know, Kenny's been out all three days at that comic con, yeah. uh, doing media coverage. So he's been a busy little boy over there. Yeah, but, you know, hit, he, uh, he... Who? Piercingmetal no,
5: piercing okay. dot com. Uh, I can't do that in have... line.
3: The beat with the street, the street with the beat. Uh,
5: yeah. Yeah. Well, we'll just say uh, you know, hit uh, piercingmetal dot com and piercingmetal on Facebook. And uh, he would definitely have uh, blogs, uh, I'm sorry, connection to his blogs, so you could check what he's doing in the city uh, metal and with the uh, Comic-Con.
3: That's right. You know, he, he had mentioned the Danzig show coming up this week, and I had gotten some press releases about, you know, promoting the, the show this week. But I leave that up to Kenny because he does all the concerts. So I don't, like, announce it. But right. the ticket prices for general admission at $50. Now, is it me or is it fifty dollars sound like an awful lot of money? Wow, you know, for Danzig, yeah, dancing, I know it's it's nobody else. Well, it's just Danzig. It's just like his uh, anniversary tour or something. Uh-huh. But I mean, it's it's Danzig and it's you know, 2013, fifty bucks. I know he's got doll playing guitar. They come out like a little mini Misfits set, you know,
5: yeah,
2: during yeah.
3: the show. But still, fifty bucks is a lot of money. Wow. And you know,
5: and let's face it. I mean, it. if it's a meet it's a and greet, calls. maybe I could see charges. No, no, no.
3: It's a, it's a GA. That's general admission. Wow, that sucks. I've seen. Uh, I've seen uh, Fate's Warning. Who? No, they're, they're going to come around here. They had a seventy, a seventy-five dollar meet and greet ticket. You know, that was with the meet and greet. Yeah, and and they, there was like all merchant. I think you got a CD and a, and a poster, or whatever you know. So don't you know that's right, not right, that right. bad if for that money if you want to spend it. Yeah. But I'm just saying, fifty bucks was general admission for the Danzig show. I thought that was way too much money.
5: Wow, no good.
3: Yeah, a lot. But you know what? I guess some people would pay it. I, I, mean, I personally, I you know, I'm a big Misfits fan, but I was never a fan of Danzig solo stuff.
5: So. Uh, yeah. I mean, yeah. I I did like it. I like the first three or four albums. You know, when the guy uh, John Christ was on guitar. After that, kind of became a little. I don't know. A little comical.
3: Yeah. No. Did you ever hear uh, the band Christ the Conqueror? That was Dolls' band that he had for a while going. Him. They never played live, but they put out records.
5: No. to Be honest,
3: with you know. Really good stuff. I mean, it's it's real. It's it's not punk or anything like like Mr. sound. It's all heavy metal. Pure heavy metal. Oh, okay. Real good heavy metal, like classic metal they did, but it came out years ago. And they'll have, you know, they'll have, you know, they'll use different names, like stage names on the album and everything. Like Christ Conqueror was a singer. And I found out when I did the Jeff Scott Soto show that it was him that was doing the vocals in there, which I would have never figured like him on that, you know, but it sounds great, man. And I never really paid much attention to it when it came out, like who was actually doing the singing. Right. But pretty good stuff over there, so you got to check that out. Interesting bet. All right, let me see what we got. Let's do a couple of tunes. You know, let's do our uh, demolition segment, get that out of the way, because we're going to wrap up this thing at the end of the year. We're not going to do it come 2014, because it's a pain ass uploading all this music every week. So yeah. grab it while you can. They'll always be up on the website, all the past stuff, you know, so uh, enjoy yeah. them. But this week it's Vice. The demo is Vice Kills. Grab yourself a copy of it. Here's Do On To Others. Death Wish, for Evil Done, right before that, little battery with the Wind of Mayhem. You know, T, there was a band, Trauma, back in the 80s, uh, you know, Cliff Burton's band before he joined Metallica. Yeah.
2: They
3: had, a, they had a great record called Scratch and Scream back in the day, and I love that album. And they got back together, I think about a year ago, maybe two years ago, they reunited. And I've been trying to you know, reach them to come on the show, and I don't know, they either don't get back to me, or they got me on the pain No Mind list, or they don't know how to read emails. I, I don't know what the problem is with the band, but you would think a group who had one record out 30 years ago, and, and they're trying to put it back together. But, you know, look for a little attention, or get a little publicity going. Yeah, would be surprised. Yeah, I mean, it's not like people actually remember these guys or know much about them unless you were a diehard fan or happen to just know their name because of Cliff Burton's association with them. I don't know. I always liked the record. I would love to have them on here, but uh, it just seems to be impossible for them to, you know, to, to get back to metal. I, I don't know what the yeah. issue is. Who the hell knows? But the Scratch the Screen record only came out on vinyl back then. Now uh, Shrapnel's re-releasing it on CD. So I'm going to get a copy because the album is great, but, you know, it, it was a poorly recorded album, I guess, back in the day, and it sounds not so hot, but... I'm gonna get the C D version and what I hear is that they added a couple of tracks that feature Cliff Burton from when he was in the band. Yeah. And I have some of those are like on live tapes or like badly recorded demos. Yeah. But they're supposed to be remastered and sound pretty good I hear. So I think such a shame is on there, We're Going Off and Woman Be Gone. Those are the three songs that were recorded with him. So, yeah. you know, if you're a an old school Metallica fan and you like trauma it's worth picking up the CD. It might sound better than the original album, and you're going to get a couple of songs of Cliff Burton that probably most people haven't heard before. Yeah. So uh, definitely look forward to it. Maybe I'll reach out to the record company, see if they can get in touch with them to come on the show. All right, well, you know what? We still have Nice Rocket from onslaught. We're going to get to that in a few minutes. We'll do one more tune before then. And I never edit any live shows out when they're done, but I'm going to have to do this one because it was like 10 minutes of dead air in the beginning. So I'm going to cut that out for the podcast. So... People don't hear me saying, "Can you hear me? Can you hear me? Can you hear me?" For ten minutes, <laughs> we'll do that a little later on.
2: That's
3: cool. Sounds good to you? It
2: sounds very good.
3: To me. All right, sounds like a plan. Yeah, so I'm looking forward to that uh, that trauma record. I'm gonna have to pick it up. And let me see, who do we what do we got on the metal matinee this week on Thursday, at twelve o'clock? Oh, it's the the uh, the year in metal. Uh, you know, the survival of the fittest. We're up to nineteen. 98. I can't wait to get this decade over. It seems like it's taking me two years to complete these, uh, <laughs> these uh, 10 years worth of shows. So yeah. one more to go. We'll try to wrap it up in January, and we'll move on to the next decade, you know, in 2014. And, uh, and if you don't get a chance to listen on Thursday, next uh, Sunday night, we've got a great show. Uh, Tony McAlpine is going to be our guest next week, you know, amazing guitar player. He's got the new band going right now, with Mike Portnoy and Billy Sheehan. So we'll talk to him about that and his new solo record. And I know we have somebody else on next week. I can't remember who it is. Oh, it's JR from the band Noron Spoiler. Uh, we played their debut record a couple of years ago when they first started, and now these guys are starting to make a big name for themselves. So we're going to bring JR on. And we're going to wrap up the month of October the 27th. That's my birthday, T. we got oh. Chuck Billy from Testament and Michael Voss from Mad Max. So we got a great way of ending the month of October.
2: Oh, cool.
3: It's pretty good. Right? We're supposed to have the guys with Trouble on uh, next week, uh, but they're over in Europe this week on a tour. So uh, they got like five or six shows that are doing festivals over there And it would have been too difficult to get them on You know, Sunday when they just get back So yeah. we'll probably have them on the first week of November Maybe the, the second week So uh, we'll have Bruce Franklin on And uh, we'll have a good time talking with him So let's get one more tune on And then I'm going to go right into it. You know what, let's do an onslaught song And we'll go right into that interview And then we'll, uh, we'll wrap it up this week, T Sounds
2: good
3: Sounds like a plan, right? Yep I love when a plan comes together Okay, it's Children of the Sand Hi, this is Mike. How are you?
6: Hi, Mike. Okay.
3: Oh, I'm doing great, man. It's nice to talk to you today.
6: Yeah, cool. on you too?
3: I definitely will. Hey, listen, I've been a big fan of you guys. I go back to the demo tapes back in the early 80s. So to have you guys around today, still putting out records, and not just putting out records, but you guys seem to be bigger now than you were during the heyday of metal back in the 80s. It's it's just incredible.
6: Yeah, thanks, man. That's, uh, that's um, very cool. Go back to the demo day, eh? which... <laughs> That's a long, long way back. Uh,
3: oh, yeah, back eighty two, eighty three, 82, 83, way back in the day. But uh, i gotta say, I'm looking on, on the Internet before, and the new record is, like, number one on Amazon. It's incredible. Did you expect, like, the band to, like, to take off like this after all those years of being absent from the music business?
6: No, not really, to be honest. I mean, you, you know, when, when we came back with um, Kid and Peace, we were just... Uh, just really so happy to come back and, and try and make the record what we thought In Search of Sanity should have been, you know, we, we finished up in a kind of bad way, and it was just nice to come back and, and make a good, solid, thrash album once again, you yeah? um, know, and to to expect things to really go how they have done, no, no we, we would have never sort of dreamt that in our wildest dreams at the moment, I do yeah,
3: well, you know, like like I like said, In Search of Sandy it was the last record you guys put out before the band kind of broke up uh, not long after that. And yeah. that album was definitely a, a change in, in the style compared to everything you'd done before that, and especially what you've done now. But it was a good record and a solid record. I just think maybe the older fans didn't kind of expect that. You want a new label. I think it was a pretty big label back at the time London Records. You had yeah. Steve from Vroom Reaper in the band for that album. Uh, did it turn out the way you wanted to, or did the outside forces kind of
6: meddle with it too much and change it around yeah that's that's exactly what happened like really um everything everything was kind of new um you know we would signed to uh london records which were, uh, were, which were a kind of uh subsidiary of polygram so it was obviously a big big company um so they invested a lot of money in the band and they expected a lot of input you know which was considering the kind of label they were um, having only, they'd, they'd licensed Rain and Blood, I think, Slayer, and I think they'd actually released uh, The Real Thing, Faith No More. So really that was their only kind of um, rock metal records that they'd actually dealt with. You know, they were more of a more of a kind of mainstream chart type label. And I guess they didn't really understand metal music. I and mean, they tried to treat us like one of their, their pop acts, you know. Um, yeah. And it really didn't work. Obviously, they were they were trying to gear us up, especially for the, the American market. And, and I really believe that they tried to expect that we were going to sell the same kind of sales as Metallica within one album. You know, I mean, it's just not going to happen. You need time, um, and and not to interfere the way they did. I don't think so. It, it was a kind of downhill spiral from the, the day we signed to the label, really yeah um and things went from bad to worse and and it ended up in the band splitting up
3: well you know when the band did split up i mean when you look at the whole you know industry back then i mean it started to change and and hard rock and heavy metal was kind of on the way out anyway do you think the band if they had stood together would have survived that that change in the whole scene because you know metal just fell by the wayside during the 90s
6: yeah i mean that's that's, I, i guess that's part of the reason why we lost the contract with with london as well um The the grunge thing came in, sort of, 1991, and Thrash was probably one of the the biggest victims of of what happened there, I think. Um, And the bands that did try and kind of survive, they they really changed a lot um, and put out some very strange albums around that time. So I think if we would have continued at that time, I don't think we'd be here now making the music that we are, you know? I think... um, I think part of the reason why we're doing what we're doing now is because of what happened to us in sort of between '88, '91, and the ensuing gap after. So.
3: Yeah, you kind of you kind of like just dropped out of the music altogether after after Oslo broke up the first time around, and uh, getting back into it like you know 14, 15 years later. I mean, everybody says like when you do something like years later, it's like riding a bike. But was it that easy to pick up the guitar again and? You know, relearn the music that you wrote and and get back into the whole groove of it. Was was that a hard thing to do?
6: <laughs> it certainly wasn't easy, mate. No, yeah. it was it was hard, really hard. I mean, um, I remember I, I after Onslaught split, I did a couple of um, kind of projects after that for maybe eighteen months to two years, and after that they, we were on the verge of some really good success things were really happening and all of a sudden for some bizarre reason everything fell flat on its face um and that was the time i decided to quit and um, my guitars went under the bed and they never came out once until 2005 wow So it's was, it was basically 11 or 12 years without once touching a guitar which was kind of weird and when to, to come back and we, we started, when we came back, we started to play, I think, a couple of the songs off in Search of Sanity and maybe Metal Forces and the Force album. And, and especially in Search of Sanity songs, they were really tough. And it was like, shit, we're never going to do this. Man. We're never going to do it. It was yeah. so hard. I mean, it, it was a kind of, it wasn't like riding a bike, it was a case of relearning all over again. And the practice we had to put back in was, was really intense. But, and I think it took about nine months to, to kind of get back to, to somewhere close to where we were. Yeah. when we split and it, it was hard but um, definitely worth it man.
3: did it get frustrating when you're trying to play a song that you wrote like from 20 years before that and you just can't <laughs> remember like how it went and you're like I wrote this song how do I not you know because it does happen I mean but did it get frustrating at a point where you're like you know like maybe like with riff changed a little bit because you just couldn't remember the exact way you did it years ago
6: <laughs> I'm getting that with songs in the new album <laughs> 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 Or just started rehearsing. I was still trying to remember them from recording.
3: <laughs> yeah, it, it, it gets harder. But, uh, you know, uh, I, I was so happy when you put it back together. And, you know, you and Steve Bryce were with the band from the, from the beginning. And you had, a, I mean, going back to the demo days, up to the first couple of albums, there was always a different singer in the band. But to yeah. me, Cy si, si was always like the person that represented the voice of Onslaught to me. I don't know why. Like I said, it were different singers. I appreciated it all. But when you came back, was Cy si your first choice to get on vocals?
6: Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the, the thing is, I'm, I totally agree with you, and I'm sure most of the Onslaught fans will agree with you too. I mean, Cy si, si was always considered um, the singer of Onslaught. Uh, I mean, Steve Grimmett was never ever really truly accepted as as the Onslaught singer. You know, it just didn't work for the fans, um, especially when he was singing the older stuff. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. I mean, Cy si was was always the singer, and, and the only way the when we came back in 2005, it was going to work, was with Cy si on vocals, you know? Um, because he can, he's the only guy who can sing all the songs from every album. Um, so, um, Paul Mahoney, who was on Power From Hell, there's no way he could have done any of the four stuff and any of the subsequent albums. And, and the same for Steve Grimmett. So. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the only way to make it viable, like I said, was with, was with Cy. Si, and of, of course, Cy si was, was only too glad to, to say yes.
3: Yeah, well, well glad he did. You know, even like going back to the, the Sandy record, I think Steve Grimmett's an amazing singer, but I never got that. You know, with him on that record, I mean, I, was that something that you were kind of forced into to do, or did you think that might have worked out at the time? Because I, I love the record, but I never got the connection.
6: Yeah, I mean, uh, it was it was it was weird. The, the, the label were really unhappy with what I si was doing, and they they just. As I said, they were gearing; in, they were trying to gear everything up for America, and they they knew that Grim Reaper had done well in the states. And I, I don't think they looked beyond that. Um, yeah. It was kind of taken out of our hands because they'd invested so much money, you know. And it, it was a case of we're we're, we're pulling the strings here. You, you really need to to listen to what we're saying, or or whatever may be, you know. So, okay, we we were we were kind of young, and we were kind of stupid, and. And what have you and, and things went along and as you say, I'd, Steve's a great guy and he, he is a fantastic singer, but he's just not the right guy for Onslaught. Yeah, I, I I guess I've seen what they were trying to do um, with bringing him into the band, but it it really kind of backfired. I mean, if, if you took that album, if you took the Onslaught name off of that album, I think it it would probably be a, a very good. Um, kind of power metal, albums, yeah. metal album or something like that and if you took the onslaught name away but with the onslaught name on it it's, it's not right and I think the fans really didn't uh, didn't take to it too well
3: yeah uh, you know I agree I've said that over the years about a lot of Black Sabbath and records like from the time when Ozzy and Dio out of them like there were some really good songs and records and if, you, if they didn't call it Black Sabbath and they gave it a different name I think they would have so much more success with those albums I, I, I know exactly what you're saying uh, you know, people yeah. associate the name; they expect to hear that. And I mean, you got the two Steves going out there today, playing that one album, which I still don't even get, because you're a viable band. I mean, you probably don't. I mean, I love the new version of Shell Shock; I think it's fantastic, and, and it's great to hear that live. But I don't get them going out playing under that one album. It's such a small, minute yeah. part of the band's career that they're trying to do something with that. A lot of people don't even realize.
6: No, what well, is the thing I don't understand about it is... The... <laughs> They're out there playing my songs, and they didn't actually write these songs. So it's kind of, <laughs> kind of why? Why are you doing this? Go go and make your own band, guys.
3: <laughs> exactly. I, that's why I could. I can't figure that out. I mean, if I want to hear anything off that record, I'm going to go see those more. You know, to hear yeah. those songs. I, I don't get it. It's no disrespect to them. I guess they feel they have some kind of a uh, claim <laughs> in their mind to mm. it. I, I don't know. But uh, are you guys going to be doing anything more with that record? Because like, I love the re-recorded version. Do you plan on doing more of that or? Are you guys just, like, overloaded with, like, new material you want to, you know, keep putting no, out? No, um, no,
6: not at all. Obviously, we the, the priority at the moment is the, the V1 album, so... um, But we had... We, we loved doing Shell Shot so much, and it, it, it came out, I mean, technically, uh, the Insurgent of Sanity album was, was an album for Psy to be on, you know? So, um, Psy obviously wants to put a lot of things right with that record, and so do I. I mean, I I want that record to sound kind of how it should have done with a with an aggressive, hard production and with side side singing the way he does on it, um, which is what we've done with Shell Shock. I think um, it's it's brought the brought the song a whole new lease of life to me. Um, so we, we were so so pleased with how it came out. We we've actually now decided that we're going to re-record the whole album next year. Oh, great. Um, obviously, Psy wants to do that badly, um, and, and so do I. So we, we speak to the rest of the guys in the band about and everybody loves the idea of, of doing that when we got some downtime. time. And we've, we've been talking about possibly discussing using it as a as a kind of bonus album with a, a DVD next year sometime just to, just to keep the profile ticking over, you know?
3: Yeah. I mean, like, when you guys came back in the first record after getting back together, Kill a Piece, it blew me away. I mean, like, you expect, like, people are ready to say, you know, we're going to mellow out a little bit, calm down. That was harder and heavier than anything you've done in the past. And then, I mean, it just kept, you know, getting better I and mean, the sounds of violence. And now, you know, v- V1, I'm like, you guys are getting harder and heavier as you're getting older. I mean, it's incredible. There's no there's no slowing down. There's no taking it easy. I mean, you guys are just like a battering the speed today. <laughs>
6: Yeah, I mean, I, I get angrier as I get older. So. <laughs> <laughs>
3: there's a lot more to get angry with, I guess.
6: <laughs> yeah, yeah, but I don't know, we're still, we're still out there to kick anybody's ass, man. The, the day somebody kicks our ass is the day we, uh, the day we retire. But uh, we, we ain't gonna let that happen for a while. We we've still got a, uh, there's a lot of energy left in Onslaught and a, a lot of life left to come. So, um, yeah, I think with the next album, we're we're gonna try and make it even more ferocious if that's possible.
3: Oh, that's great. I mean, I caught you guys the last time you were in New York City. You know, you played in Brooklyn at the St. Fire's Bar, and I just sat yeah, there and yeah. I was like, holy crap. <laughs> I couldn't believe it. I mean, the <laughs> energy that you guys put out was just phenomenal. I mean, if anything doesn't work out with Slide, did you ever go back to Jace Pope? <laughs>
6: <laughs> Jace lives in Australia now, actually. I, I, know, I, I haven't spoken to him for a few years, actually. I should drop him a line, actually, and send him over a new album. But um, I was speaking to Paul recently, Paul Hill, um, um he's living in Australia, bizarrely enough, as well, but wow. in a com- completely different part of the J site. So. But uh, Paul's doing well. He's working for local government, bizarrely. Right? But <laughs> it's nice to keep in touch with him. I was, I was hoping that he was going to be coming back to England to maybe um, jump in on a, one of the anniversary shows this year. But um, I'm still waiting for an answer on that one.
3: Yeah. You have to watch now that Jason Paul in there, each other. They don't get together and form another orphanage. Another <laughs> <laughs> It'll be like a touring company pretty soon. <laughs>
6: yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> all playing my songs
3: uh, but you know with all the years of onslaught and all the different eras is there anyone that you feel defines the band the most is it now you know in the here and now what you're doing now do you think this is the best representation of the band or was there another point in time that you feel like this is the onslaught that you should be remembered by
6: no it's definitely now I mean um, we we obviously felt we'd make, made a very good album with this one and um, obviously very anxious waiting for the reviews and stuff because um, obviously the reviews on the last two albums have been great as well, um, so we were very nervous to see how this was was received, and the reviews have been fantastic, and and a big big majority of them saying this is our best album we've ever made. So um, it's nice to to feel you've got something right, you know. Um, and obviously, yeah, definitely this period. I mean, we've got got a fantastic lineup now. Um, it's it's great playing the live shows. It feels so tight and so powerful, and. And me and Andy just work so well when we're writing the new songs, you know, and um, and now we've got Mike in the band as well. It's it's just another dimension. So it's, it's just, everything's clicking really nicely.
3: Yeah. When you go back to the early days and Ben first gets together with that lineup and you start writing music and you start playing and, you know, your young kids just want to get out there and play live and, you know, get up on stage, when did you first realize that this is a business and you know, we're getting screwed and we really got to watch our backs, I mean, how long into it did it take you to realize that, you know, people are out to get us and we have to kind of like, you know, protect ourselves
6: Yeah, I, I don't know you, I think sometimes, even now, I mean, you, you can still get uh, a little screwed over, you know, I mean yeah. it's, it's, still, it's still happening now, we're learning constantly, I mean, we've been in this business for so long, and you still got to be so careful, like um, we've we, we've been lucky not to get too badly hit in time, but yeah, we we obviously that's a bad experience. but I think I think a lot of the time it happens because you're so engrossed within the music you're writing or the music you're playing, you, you kind of take your eye off the ball on the the other side of things, and that's when people can take advantage of you. Know?
3: Yeah, um, when you came back into it, what did you re- look at as like the biggest change? Because I mean, even though you weren't performing, I'm sure you kept an eye on everything going on and. You know, the scene in general and, and the industry. But what was, like, the biggest change that you had to adapt to compared to the old days?
6: Um, obviously, the, the, the kind of downloading stuff and, the, and the, the, the lack of CD sales in comparison to what we were used to before. You know, that was the, the biggest thing. So, obviously, a lot of attitudes had changed within record labels and, and stuff when we came back. And that was the most noticeable thing. I mean, in a way, we, we were lucky because we had a lot of contacts in the past. And when we came back, the, the show, we just jumped into some great shows straight away. So that that was kind of nice to jump in at a, a good level. I'm and, and very lucky for it. Um, obviously, when, when you go to negotiate with, with labels and look at budgets for albums and they say, you will only sell this, it's like, wow, we sold this before. <laughs> and they say, well, this is 20 years long, guys. This is a, a lot has changed in that time. Um, so that was the most noticeable difference. I mean, we're, we're making albums now for, wow, God. 200% cheaper than what we made in Search of Sanity, you know, which is absolutely insane. I mean, if if we could have made an album back then for the price you could make an album for now and make it sound as good, wow, it was incredible. You wouldn't imagine it could be done. There. Yeah,
3: it really is. In the same sense, you know, with the record companies, it's all about the money to them. I mean, I mean, we're all in this business to make money. That's This is your job. This is what you want to get paid to do, and they only care about the bottom dollar. But when they tell you, like, well, you know, you only sold 5,000 copies of the record when, you know, in 1984 you sold 20,000, 30,000, that's because that's all they're getting paid for. But meanwhile, you had 50,000 downloads of the record on the internet for free, and that's the shame of it is that you never yeah. really know what. Is out there because people just down. you know you put it out on Monday, Tuesday 10,000 people already downloaded it for free and That's a shame.
6: Yeah, I know it's it's, it's scary really. I mean we what we would noticed is is Bands were selling all across the board from Maiden to Slayer. It's one thing when when we came back and we were told Well, we we estimate you're gonna sell this uh, whereas in comparison you sold X amount of in search of sanity you right? um, know So I I kind of did some research and looked at sort of Iron Maiden Cells and Slayer and Megadeth and Metallica and everything like that. And virtually all across the board, it it was a 90% drop within the the 20, 25 years, you know, or or whatever. And that that was absolutely amazing. And then when I looked at our first statement that came through on, I think it was um, Sounds of Violence. We'd had something like 90,000 streams of the album. And it was like, what? And we're selling X amount. It's like... Wow, this is
3: insane. Yeah, it doesn't add up. <laughs> no,
6: it's absolutely insane.
3: <laughs> it is. Yeah. It, it, it's the way the business is today, I guess. I mean, you know, uh, hopefully something could change and and kind of get back to the old days a little bit where, I mean, I want to buy that record. Even though I get them for free because of the radio show, I still buy it. I still bought your new record, even though I had a copy for free because I love having that copy. I want to support the band. I mean, yeah, two, two cool. drinks in the bar is, uh, you know, the price of the record today. It's not... The records are cheaper. You know, going to shows is cheaper than it ever was for a lot of uh, places, and there's no reason for people not to, you know, buy a record for ten dollars.
6: Yeah, I mean that's that's part of the reason why why the sleeve is, is as it is. You know, um, we kind of decided to take a, a different attitude with the artwork on this album. Um, generally, we keep we keep the artwork in house, we do it ourselves, um, but we we wanted a different angle this time. We wanted more more of an old school sleeve with the and try and hope to gain the attitude, you know, when you go into a record store when you were a kid and see this amazing piece of artwork, you've never heard of the band or, or anything right. like that. That's <laughs> right. But wow, that sleeve! I got out of that record because the sleeve's amazing. So we try to we kind of went that route, you know, because um, you've got to do everything you can to sell every extra CD these days. So we, we totally had a different outlook, and hopefully, it's going to work.
3: So. I hope so. You almost have to be like a carnival barker today, being out there, you know promoting non-stop, you know, for things that back in the past you could kind of just put out and do a little bit of press here and there. Today, it's like you really have to be on top of it just to try That's to you know, stay relevant. And, you know, it, it is a whole different world. But, I mean, I have to say, Onslaught is doing better today, I think, than you guys ever did in the past. The name is out there, I think, more than ever. You're coming to the U.S. quite all. I mean, are you thinking you're going to make it back here again with this album?
6: Yeah, of course, yeah. I mean, um, obviously we look at see hope, what the album does. Um, early indicators are very good so far. So um, we're discussing possibly April, May for next year. So fingers crossed.
3: That's fantastic. Nice. I'm not going to keep you much longer. I appreciate you talking to me today. What do you have coming up in the near future for the band? Anything lined wind up right away that you want to get out there for people to know?
6: Um, uh, mainly our European tour. we just come back from Russia last week, which was fantastic. So we start the second leg, uh, mainland Northern Europe, on uh, 9th of October, I think going to be 25 26 states um that's going to be absolutely amazing um then we're off to south america uh for a couple of weeks and then i think we take a bit of a break and and start writing for the next
3: one the life of a rock star
6: huh
3: You <laughs> gotta love <laughs> nice thank you very much buddy I, I can't wait to see you guys back here in the u.s when you get to new york
6: thanks Mike. pleasure man
3: you too take care Thank everybody for listening today. I want to thank my guests, Nige Rocket from Onslaught and Anton Land from Defcon One. Don't forget to tune in Thursday to the Mellow Matinee at 12 p.m. EST. It's uh, Survival of the We're up to the year 1998. I'll see everybody then. We're going to close out the show with one more tune because we had a lot of dead air in the beginning, and uh, I think we'll fill up some of that space now towards the end. So how about we head over to Italy for some Bulldozer with the Great Deceiver? Take care, everybody. I will see you Thursday. If not, see you next Sunday night with Tony McAlpine, as my guest. Take care.
1: No,